Touchdown and turnover by Balcoa 10 Federal Credit Union, the place where you belong. Better rates and better service. ATFCU.com. Ben McKee, Jason Swain. And um, Ben, I have, a, I have a good one for you today. Touchdown turnover. The most important player for Tennessee this weekend, other than the quarterback, plays on offense. Touchdown or turnover. The more, most important player for Tennessee to win this weekend, other than the quarterback, plays on offense. Touchdown or turnover. Hmm. I say turnover. I say turnover. I don't think that there is a specific player either, if that's okay with you. No, that's okay, man. I mean, interpret it, how you want to. It's, it's Tennessee's front seven. Is is the most important unit, not named Joe Milton or Hendon Hooker. Tennessee's front seven on defense has a a very tall task on Saturday. Florida's rushing offense is is as legit as Tennessee is going to see this this season. Uh, Three headed monster in the backfield with uh, Malik Davis. Damian Pierce, Naquan Wright. They they don't individually put up gaudy stats, but as as a unit, they put up big time stats. And, and those are just the three running backs. And doesn't take into consideration Emory Jones's legs and his ability to to run with the football. Uh, Anthony Richardson sounds like he is going to be able to play on on Saturday. He is very dynamic with the football in his hands. He, he is a, a handful to bring down. Dan Mullen said that uh, he would play only if he's 100%. He did. Gave him a little 100% doing that backflip before the game last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the expectation is that he will be 100% by Saturday. For sure. And that they, they felt like a, a mild hamstring can quickly go to a severe hamstring injury in, in a short amount of time, and, and they did not want to risk – Losing him for four to six weeks, uh, if if they were to have played him on on Saturday, so they were very cautious with him. So uh, I'm going with the front seven because if if Tennessee is going to have a, a chance to win this football game, one of the the top keys to the game at the top of the the board is is slowing down Florida's rushing attack. If if Tennessee can can pull off a way to slow down Florida on the ground, then then they'll have a chance to, to win this football game. So I know I know offensive line is a is a big question mark. I, I, I get that. Uh, receivers need to step up. Backs need to step up. A- everybody on this football team needs to step up, quite frankly. But Joe Milton can Joe Milton or Hendon Hooker, whoever plays, can can have a, a big time game. But if if Tennessee's front seven doesn't slow down Florida's rushing attack and doesn't slow down or uh, contain Emory Jones, Anthony Richardson, then it won't matter what Tennessee does on offense. So uh, I, I say Tennessee's front seven is the most important set of people uh, on Tennessee's roster, not name the quarterback. Obviously, stopping the run takes a unit, takes a team. There's no doubt about that. So it's going to take not only the front seven, but all 11 guys because you're going to need secondary support um, to stop you know, big-time runs. Um, especially Theo playing in the box, but uh, I'm going. I'm going to try to pick one player because yes, 
stopping the run is going to be uh, all hands on deck type of um, responsibility. But I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Bowery Young, man. And I was thinking between Bowery Young and I was thinking between him and, and Tyler Barron because I remember when when Tennessee uh, in 2013 when we played them down there, we scored first. And we scored first, not on offense, but we had a pick six. It was, pick six, it was Deshaun Swafford had a pick six. And then, you know, we, we wound up, you know, falling apart and losing that game. Uh, also, think about the last time Tennessee played down there, uh, which was in, what, 2019. And what a miserable game. 2019, and you had a pick as well against Kyle Trask. And the result of those two picks, man, it was because of pressure. It was because of pressure. And if you're going to force Florida to have some turnovers, I think you got to get some pressure. Um, last week, Emory Jones probably played his best game as a Florida quarterback, even though he threw one interception. But that one interception was a result of the Alabama pressure. So got to get pressure on the quarterback. And I think – um, Bauer Young, even though he hasn't played the entire season, he has elite measurables when it comes to getting to the quarterback. Uh, that's what he does very, very well and is Tennessee's best pass rusher. So if he can affect Emory Jones when um, there's a, you know, there's a Florida pass, then that's going to be super, super important. Now, offensively, it's really hard not to go look at Cooper Mays, right? Because Cooper Mays, him being out, changes things on the offensive line, puts guys in different positions. And we saw last week, that's that's not necessarily what what we want. I mean, we can't have snaps that don't even make it to the quarterback's hands. Uh, you know, that was the case when Jerome Carvin was working at center. So you, you can't have that. It's just best if Cooper Mays is at center so everybody else can be, you know, more at their natural positions. And it caused Tennessee not to convert on a fourth and three, I believe it was, because – Hooker had Jacob Warren wide open in the flat and just because of the snap being on the ground and trying to corral it and hurry up and get it off, it just threw off the rhythm of yeah. the throw. Yeah, trying to pick it up, you know, watching Hendon throw pregame. He's a guy that throws with the laces and, uh, you know, index finger is up there at the tip of the football. So now you got to pick it up while you're being rushed. Pick it up and grip it the best way you can and throw it out there. And it was just – he threw it out of bounds, man. It was just an inaccurate pass, but – uh, I don't know if he had enough time to put his hands on the laces to get it out there. But, yeah, that was that play was a result of a bad snap. And so it's just best if Cooper is, is working uh, at center so that way, you know, Carvin can play guard and everyone can play where they're supposed to. So And it helps with the tempo. Jerome Carvin admitted that yesterday to the media that he feels like he's done a, a good job with the tempo filling in for Cooper and tempo has has been at the the top of his priority list because somebody asked him if there's been a time with him filling in if if because he's not the center Cooper is the center if if in filling in did he forget to to kind of go tempo and because it's his job to really push the tempo mm-hmm. uh, to get the old linemen uh, aligned and and make sure that they know what to do and and the old line kind of sets the tempo and. Carvin said that he has not forgotten, but there there's been times where he he didn't push the the tempo as fast as it needed to be. So uh, he he even admitted that there there's been some some times in in filling in in which 
uh, he wasn't able to to push the tempo as fast as need be. And, and Cooper coming back would just take a a whole lot of weight off of Jerome Carvin's shoulders, and he can just focus on fulfilling his duties as as the left guard. And, and Cooper is a very smart football player, so uh, allow Cooper to get out and, and push the tempo and and do what he does best, and get Jerome Carvin back in there at left guard where where he's best suited for. And Cade's going to be fine, ready to go by by Saturday. And all of a sudden, you're 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 back to looking at the offensive line that dominated Bowling Green on those first two series of the game. Obviously, Florida is not Bowling Green, but you, you feel a lot better about your offensive line with, with your original five than, than you do with, with Cade out, with Cooper out, with Kingston Harris, even though he's not one of the the, the top five starters. Uh, he, he's been filling in for Cooper, essentially, with Jerome sliding over to center. So without three, you you were without three of your main guys against whatever team Tennessee played on Saturday, Tennessee Tech, uh, and it showed. So now that you, you get your main five back, hopefully that that goes a long ways. Cooper last week on Tennessee Prime mentioned how much he liked uh, the responsibility that he has playing center in this type of offense because you know he he controls the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very he's he's very important uh, setting a defense normally. Um, it doesn't matter if it's an up-tempo offense or a huddle-up offense. The center always needs to set the uh, set the defensive front and help identify the, the middle linebacker for for the quarterback and all those good things. But uh, in this offense, he is super important because you know he's spotting the ball. Uh, he's he's standing right over the ball when the referee spots it, and uh, he's a big reason why the tempo. Um, is as fast as it, it has been in the first couple of the games. So uh, important to get him back, man. Important to get him back. I think you, you must stop the run first and foremost. It got to generate some pressure. And um, Cooper being being back really makes things easier with the offensive line. Uh, I, I'm not expecting to run the football by you know a ton of yards, to be honest, um, for my running backs. But it will be good for Hendon Hooker to be an extension of the running game from the running back position. And then you got to have protection uh, and pass pro uh, to hit those big shots. And will that be Hendon Hooker or will that be Joe Milton? Uh, we shall see. Let's go to um, – I'll be curious to see if Aubrey Solomon plays too. I think he earned some more snaps on, on Saturday. Again, I know – From it, Tennessee Tech? Yeah. Again, I, I know it's Tennessee Tech, but big boy was – was was moving with a purpose. I, I don't care if it's Tennessee Tech or not. I I had not seen that type of effort, intensity, get off from Aubrey Solomon like like we did on on Saturday. So I I, I think that he has earned a, a chance to to get some early reps against Florida, and then what he does with those reps, either back to the sideline or you get more reps after that. I, I want to put some some pressure on. Um, our corners. Alante Taylor had to pick six. You know, responsible for you know people getting free cookies and stuff on his on his play. Could have scored. You know, was a, a, a half size shoe too big, and uh, probably would have scored if he wore twelve and a half. But think about this, Ben. 
Tennessee has not really gotten all the pressure that we want to get with our with our front four. Now, you know, Byron Young coming back, that, that may change some things, but how much will it really change? Uh, will it go from non-existent to, you know, being a, being a force for 60 minutes? I don't know. I doubt it. So how do you generate pressure? Obviously, Emory Jones turned the ball over once last week because of that pressure. Well, how do you how do you bring pressure outside your front four? Well, you got to bring someone from secondary. You got to bring linebackers. And if you are bringing people from the secondary, that means you are leaving your corners in one on one coverage, and you got to be able to hold up. So Alante, uh, Warren Burrell, they got to be able to hold up and, and and cover one coverage if. Coach Banks brings pressure with Theo Jackson or brings pressure with our linebackers because um, I don't know how much pressure we can get with just our front four, front five. Um, I think we're going to have to blitz, and I think that's going to force Alante and Juan Burrell to play some man-to-man. And these guys have played in this game before. You know, Juan Burrell was kind of baptized by fire mm-hmm. a couple of years ago as a true freshman right here at the Swamp. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily his, his fault, but he got hit on a double slant. With a you know he you know he had a little ankle in, injury going on there, but he got hit with a double slant uh, for a touchdown, and um, you know this is his second time playing in the swamp, so he'll be more ready to go. But I think Tim Banks will have to put these DBs in some one-on-one situations to uh, create some pressure on Emory Jones. And the good news is that Florida's receivers aren't world beaters. Mm-hmm. The, the this is not your your typical Florida receiving unit. It's just not. They, they they don't have a bunch of guys that that jump off the page at you. I mean, Jacob Copeland is is their best receiver, and I, I've never been impressed with Jacob Copeland during his time at Florida. Over overrated when you look at the you know recruiting the, ranking. the recruiting ranking. I mean, their the lead hype. yeah their leading receiver last week was a tight end, right? And, uh, and the tight end had zero catches. But like their whole tight end room had zero catches through the first two weeks, and then they led Florida in receiving on, on Saturday. Keymore Gamble and Keon Zipper. So, uh, two veterans. Zipper-er. 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 Quite the last name there. Zipper-er. 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 Uh, the veterans haven't played a ton, but that's in large part because they've been playing behind uh, Kyle Pitts, Keymore Gamble, did come in when Pitts got hurt against Georgia last year and, and made a couple really nice plays. So uh, just hasn't been asked to do a ton. Had five catches but, against Alabama. Yeah, that, that's really the, the most he's been asked to do in yeah. his career aside from the Georgia game last year when when Pitts got hurt. But Justin Shorter is the receiver opposite yeah. of Jacob Copeland. He's a transfer from Penn State. Uh, former five-star, ha- hasn't done a ton. Xavier Henderson, he's a sophomore, young. Uh, Jamarcus Weston, redshirt sophomore, he's young. In the slot, Trent Whitmore, redshirt sophomore, young, and and he can't stay healthy. Uh, They do have a a redshirt senior that that slides in there in the slot uh, as well. Rick Wells, who had a nice opener against FAU, but they they just don't have anybody that scares you. I I would be surprised if if a Florida receiver – just dominated Tennessee and, and won Florida the game. If if Florida wins this football game, it, it's going to be on the the legs of the the, the running game. 
That, that's what it boils down to. Tennessee is more than capable of containing Florida's receivers, but can it slow down the run? Can it force Emory Jones into making some bad mistakes to, to turning the football over? Because he, he is very vulnerable. He, he wasn't against Alabama, like you said. Probably the best game of his career uh, was against Alabama. Did a good job of, of not making bad decisions. But the Emory Jones leading up to the Alabama game was an, an Emory Jones who consistently made bad decisions and consistently made poor throws. Can, can Tennessee bring that Emory Jones back out? When's the last time in Tennessee and Florida played in a game where, like, both wide receiver groups, you were like, eh, eh, eh. It, it's, eh. It's, it's. I mean, isn't that weird? Maybe fourteen, the the ten to nine game. I don't just, really just, remember just, any Florida receivers. Just off that weird, team. man. I know Tennessee didn't have great receivers in fourteen. That was like sophomore Marquez North. Yeah, yeah, freshman, freshman. You know, Josh Malone. Josh Malone. I mean, you had. I mean, uh, I think. I think. Uh, was Malone not fifteen? I thought Malone was. F- no, Malone might have been fifteen. Did Malone play three or four years? He I was think, three, right? I think Malone might have been might have been. F- no, I can't remember. I think he, I think he was fourteen. I think he was fourteen. I think you're right. Yeah, because he came in with Jalen, right? Yeah, I think I think he was. I think yeah, he was he was fourteen. He was at the end of fourteen. You know, he wasn't an early early uh, commit like Jalen Hurd, but he was part of the 14, 14 class. Yes, he was fourteen. That uh, fourteen Florida. Passing attack had Clay Burton at tight end, Quentin Dunbar, Ahmad Fullwood. Mm. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, it. It's just, That's I mean, this. Out. So probably 14 was the last time that either team didn't have a, a crop of receivers that you just kind of wowed you. I mean, Pig Howard had, you know, six for 80 yards in that game. And, um, but yeah, you did have. You did have Pig, Josh Ballone, Marquez North. Uh, you know, Vaughn Pearson was a, was you know in his first year. I mean, I man, receivers wasn't receivers wasn't bad in fourteen. But anyways, let's go to the phones. If Pig Howard's your best receiver, I don't know if Pig was at that moment or not. We wanted Marquez North to be. Yeah, it just it just didn't it just didn't happen. Anyways, all right, who's on the phone? Clint. Clint, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Clint, how are you doing today? Hey, Clint, how you doing, man? Hey, uh, going back to your wide receiver question, you're talking about Jacob Copeland. As far as I can tell, the most significant thing he's done so far in his career is throwing a Tennessee hat off the table during signing day. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, and then he got he got hurt, I believe, didn't he? he missed some time, so. Yeah, he's battled injuries really, throughout his career. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that's so far in the rear view that we we tend to forget how bad he disrespected Tennessee. Usually, you know, we get a chance to to make up for that on the field, but I don't know that it, you know that's even in our consciousness anymore. But uh, anyway, I wanted to ask you about Tennessee's receivers, and I grew up in in the era, you know, where Tennessee really, you know, it was wide receiver you and and you know late nineties, early two thousands, all that. About our wide receiver group and, and all the questions that we have, are there receivers from that era 
that that our guys compare to just just to try to find a little perspective on where we really are at with that group i mean is there are there parallels to the, any of those guys going either in, in in the classes you were in or before or or are we are you you know prepared to say that i'm not sure these guys you know see significant to anybody in our on our roster see significant time because of the talent we had back then. Can you offer just a little bit of perspective on, uh, you know, some historical perspective on what we even have at the wide receiver position right now? I hate to be that guy that's like, man, back in my day and, you know, my day was, my time was better, but I don't, I don't see, um, I don't see any of these guys that are playing right now being able to, to get in uh, with our wide receivers, you know, because we had we had a deep group my freshman and sophomore year, um, very deep, and we had speed. Like I know this group has speed, but you know, Chris Hannon was 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 a speedster. He's a four four two four three guy. Meacham was a four three guy, um, and I'm you know I'm, I'm trying to be politically correct here. I'm trying to be nice, but the, really the answer is just straight no. Nah, man, I don't see any receivers that play on this team that could. That could uh, that can fit in with 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 our groups, to be honest. Because mentality wise, we just, I mean, just just some savages, man. Did, didn't shy away from contact. Uh, didn't mind calling each other out. Um, play tough is is all get out. Uh, embrace the weight room. Like Brent, Brent Smith used to work out more than anybody. I mean, I mean his. Dude, he had pythons, like like Macho Man, Randy Savage. Man, he had pythons for real. Like he he was, like he had small legs, but man, he was physical. Meach was physical. I was physical, and so we didn't shy away from contact. Um, I think mentally was was we was tougher, um, and you know I I think we had you know um, guys that we learned from before, and then you know I thought we had a really really good receiver coach. Um, that had a lot of experience. So, nah, man, the answer is no. Just no. Nah. Well, one of the one of the things that made that group those groups so special is it wasn't like we had a guy. We had like three guys, like all the time. There was always you know a bunch of them, and, and we're searching to find one. I don't know if that comes in recruiting or or what, but it's we were you know we always had three guys that could kill you all the time that you had to account for on the field. And I think that's why uh, we were just so dominant back in those days and, frankly, probably why we attracted such good quarterback play. And we were talking yesterday about, you know, the struggle of Tennessee recruiting a good quarterback, even with, you know, our history. And I don't know which comes first, you know, a uh, dominant receiving core or, or, uh, or a dynamic quarterback. But, but having multiple options, any of these guys, you know, that could, that could beat you anytime we lined up, and the fact that we're him and Holland trying to find one guy that we can define the best as the best on a group that wouldn't see time, you know, a generation ago is is kind of discouraging. But but that can all change in the in the portal. That can change with development. You know, I, I still like these guys. I think there's there's uh, plenty of room for growth for all of them. But but. Uh, yeah, it's not what we grew up with, for sure. For sure. I mean, look at the group. We got several transfers, and, you know, some of these guys came in this past year with Josh Heupel. Uh, I'm counting two off the top of my head, Anderson Colby uh, and Javante Payton, and I think there's a reason why you get transfers. Um, 
there's always a reason why you want to bring in a transfer. And um, we looked at the linebackers, we looked at the defensive line, but man, the receivers brought in multiple transfers this cycle. And I, I think there's a reason why for that. Um, I like Walker Merrill. I think he can he can develop to a really, 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 really good receiver. I liked him when we signed him. Um, I think he is prepared. I think he was prepared. It's why we're seeing him right now. Uh, honestly, this early in his career, we're seeing him because of the job that um, guys like MPA did. Uh, MPA there in Nashville, National Playmakers Academy, and the and culture that they had. He was able to compete. Uh, with good DBs and train against them. Uh, I think that's helped him come in and be polished and, and be ready to go as a true freshman. But, yeah, man, this 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 uh, this group got to step it up. They got to step it up. They have, they have not played the way that anyone expected them to play, to be honest. When you look at that speed, uh, when you look at the athleticism, um, kind of expected more. Uh, they're young in some areas, but still, man, um, they got. They got. They got. They got to be better. They got to be better. So, uh, thanks for the phone call. I hate, I hate always doing that though. But back, my my time was better. My my time was better. But some cases, it's just true. No, you you just really breaking into forty really well. It's just true, man. It's just true. It's, it, I mean, sorry. No. It is what it is. Swain event. Be right back. While the other guys are taking guesses, the Swain event is taking you behind the scenes and in the huddle every morning from 7 to 10 right here. More and more Tennessee businesses are switching to Iris Networks for reliable, local, high-quality, high-speed business fiber internet. Iris provides direct internet access from 10 megs to 10 gigs with no payments for 90 days. Iris also offers next-generation business phones with work-from-anywhere capability from the mobile or laptop app. With local sales, support, and service, Iris is a partner in the community. Learn more at irisnetworkusa.com or call 865-448-IRIS. Iris Networks, a Tennessee business connecting Tennessee businesses. Hey there, Swain Event listeners. I'm excited to share my new Keller Williams Realty app so you can tour homes without leaving yours. Not only can you search for homes in specific areas and neighborhoods, you can also have access to real-time market snapshots on stats like average home price and days on market, plus commute times from your office, school zones, and much more. Download my app today and get the most accurate information on buying, selling, and investing in real estate in your area. Just search for the Keller Williams Realty app and click on more in the lower right-hand corner. Type in Jennifer Morris in the Your Agent search bar, then save and you're set. And as always, feel free to reach out at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com. I'm Vince Moore, wide receiver, VFL 1991. And you're listening to The Swain Event. Guys, your health right now is more important than ever. I recommend Low T Center. That's where I get my levels checked. It all starts with the annual wellness exam where they do a comprehensive health assessment exclusively for men, making it quick and easy to take care of your health. And now they offer monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatment. 
Most insurance is accepted. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment and make your health a priority. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Top 100 Barbecue Restaurant Dead End Barbecue is a no-brainer when you are craving the smoky flavor of quality Q. Dead End makes it easy to enjoy their fantastic menu with online ordering from Chow Now for pickup. Or if you don't feel like leaving the house, then have Dead End Barbecue delivered right to your door by Loco Knoxville or Bite Squad. Cheer on your favorite team with the best barbecue around. Check them out online at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. When I made the move to my own studio, I was worried about this. I was worried about that. I was worried about, hey, did I get this piece of equipment? Did I get that piece of equipment? Does that sound good? Does that not sound good? One thing I didn't have to worry about, that was office furniture, because office furniture outfitters met my furniture needs. With a 50,000 square foot facility, they have East Tennessee's largest selection and are the best value for new and used office furniture. Located in Knoxville, it's easy to find everything you need for your new space, including desks, file cabinets, chairs, conference tables, and more. Office Furniture Outfitters is turnkey. They came to my place, we mapped everything out that was needed, they delivered, and get this, set everything up. To learn more about what Office Furniture Outfitters can do for you, log on to OFONOX.com. That's OFONOX.com. All right, it's time for around the SEC on a Tuesday. Conference play is cooking. It is cooking around the league. Ben, what you got for us today? I have a lot to go over because we don't talk anything but Tennessee football on Monday. So I want to take a look back at the weekend and all of the results from around the league. We mentioned Florida narrowly. Losing to Alabama. We mentioned Mississippi State taking an L to Memphis. Uh, UTC nearly pulled off an upset of Kentucky. Kentucky had to make a couple of plays in the fourth quarter, score 14 fourth quarter points to beat the Mocs 28 to 23. Missouri took care of business against Southeast Missouri State 59 to 28. Texas A&M beat New Mexico 34 to nothing. Arkansas beat Georgia Southern 45 to 10. Georgia beat South Carolina 40 to 13. Penn State in a great football game. Good job Penn State. That's right. Attaboy James Franklin beat Auburn 28 to 20. He gone after this year though. To where? I think he's going to USC. I don't think USC wants James Franklin. We'll see. Maybe you're right. I do think uh, Penn State and James Franklin are headed for a breakup. I do agree with you on that. The, the question is where? Where where does James Franklin end up? Yep. LSU beat Central Michigan 49-21. to Ole Miss beat Tulane 61-21. to Had over 600 yards of offense midway through the third quarter. More on Matt Corral in just a moment. 
Uh, Stanford. Hello, boy, David Shaw. Whooped. Vanderbilt. 41 to 23. Uh, speaking of Matt Corral, he was named the SEC Offensive Player of the Week. He's going to be a problem. He is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> he, he is a problem. We're not playing him this week. Swaino. But he's yeah. going to be a problem when we play him. You, you just have to hope that that defense gives up a bunch of points. I'm, and I'm talking about uh, Ole Miss's defense giving up a, a bunch of points. But I don't want to think about that right now. I'm already worried about Flora. Uh, Matt Corral named the SEC Offensive Player of the Week because he was the first player in SEC history with three passing touchdowns and four rushing touchdowns in a single game. The seven total touchdowns tied the school record set in 1951 by this player. If you can name me this player, Swain, I will give you $100 on the spot and buy you lunch at Dead End Barbecue. 1951 was the last time Ole Miss had somebody score seven touchdowns in a game and Matt Corral tied that school record. I mean, what Archie Manning? Because he ain't that old, is he? No. If, if you guess this name, I I'm just gonna go ahead and call it a day. I ain't, I ain't got anything. Showboat Boykin. With a name like that, heck yeah, man. Showboat Boykin was the last Ole Miss player to score seven total touchdowns, and Matt Corral tied his school record. How awesome of a name is that? Show, Boat, Boykin. Pretty impressive. Uh, Will Anderson from Alabama and Nolan Smith from Georgia were the co-defensive players of the week. Will Anderson had a career-high three-and-a-half tackles for a loss against Florida. Nolan Smith had one-and-a-half sacks. Uh, the special teams player of the week was Nick Constantino, punter from A&M. The defensive lineman of the week was B.J. Ojolari, defensive end at LSU, three tackles, two and a half sacks. Uh, the offensive lineman of the week were Jeremy James from Ole Miss and Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas. And the freshman of the week was Adonis Mitchell. A receiver from Georgia who Jeremy Pruitt did not think was good enough to play at Tennessee. Uh, Adonai Mitchell posted career highs of four catches for a team-high 77 yards and his first career touchdown during Georgia's win over South Carolina. Adonis Mitchell, again, a receiver at Georgia, a true freshman receiver at Georgia who is getting some run, uh, was a receiver that Jeremy Pruitt did not think was good enough to play at Tennessee. Just like he, just like he didn't think J.C. Horn was fast enough. Correct. Oh, uh, and by the way, uh, Adonis Mitchell from Cane Ridge High School there in the mid-state. <sighs> in Antioch. So thanks, Pruitt. Has anyone been You bald-headed scallywag. Has anybody been mentioned from Tennessee this season? Nope. It's a good opportunity this week. It's a good opportunity this week. It's a great opportunity. Single player. So yesterday, 
forecast for Gainesville said it was going to be raining. Now it is going to be uh, 85 degrees and um, just a little cloudy. What about the humidity? Oh, psh, come on, man. It's Gainesville. It's always humid. Eh, just 69% humidity. Nice. So, um, so yesterday it was looking like it was going to rain uh, during the game. Now, not so much. Looks like we're going to have a clear, clear – um, clear skies for a little foosball. All right, let's hit, let's hit the text box. <sighs> Ken says, with all due, res- due respect, I was a student at UT in the late 80s when we had Carl Pickens, Alvin Harper, Anthony Miller, etc. That was wide receiver you. Uh, yeah, tell him, Ken. Remind I- him of who the real wide receiver you at Tennessee was. Dude, we we know that, Ken. <laughs> I, I know that. D- yeah. You needed to be reminded. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. You, you know, need, you jo- Joey Kent came here. Brought back down. Joey, Joey Kent, when he talks about the best receiver of all time in Tennessee, just because he has the records, he doesn't even mention himself. He mentions Carl Pickens, that, that he looked up to those guys when he came here. So it ain't about which group was more wide receiver you than the other. It's about Tennessee was a was wide receiver you during the entire stretch of years because of multiple guys that played at a high level of Tennessee then went on to play at the league. So yeah, Ken, you don't even have to preference your comment like because I definitely didn't, didn't say that my, my era was the was the only time that. That Tennessee receivers were good, or we were, you know, Tennessee, you know, wide receiver. You, I was asked about current receivers versus my group of receivers during when I played. Well, so, you were talking about your group of receivers yeah, against the group that's T.O. now. and Jerry Rice playing with each other. No, did T.O. No. and Jerry get that, Rice hey, get have... that get the message board ears out of here, man? <laughs> Listen did, to what uh, I'm saying. Did did. Did T.O. and Jerry Rice have a, a third guy? J.J. JJ Stokes on that team. I'm not as familiar with his work. I've heard the name. I'm not very familiar with his work. Yeah, J.J. Stokes was, was a big body, tall wide receiver. Um, but, you know, T.O. Was a, was a pup there when he was with the 49 and, and, and uh, Jerry Rice was still playing. But J.J. Stokes was still on that team. Um, Which, by the way, you, you're starting to get me in trouble on these message boards. I get lumped into everything. Like three different people yesterday on the message boards was like Swain and Ben said, Swain and Ben said, Swain and Ben said, and like two of the three things were something you said. That, that's because they don't listen. That's what I'm saying. It's message boards ears. They don't listen. They don't listen, man. Folks don't listen. They they want to hear what they want to hear and believe what they want to believe. And sometimes they don't even hear it. They just make it up. <laughs> I don't got patience for that or time. I couldn't tell. So if you got like if if you want to disagree, you got a problem with said, at least get it right on what was said. Don't be making up stuff. Don't make up stuff. Get it right. Like this whole narrative, Josh Dobbs was a bad practice player. No one ever said that. It's made up. <laughs> like it is truly made up. It's made up. And, and that's that's not cool or fair. So yeah, man. I'll let, I'll let y'all handle that message board stuff over there. Folks be well, having selective hearing. You're getting me in trouble. Well, I don't 
I say what I say, you say what you say, and it's people's responsibility to to listen clearly and know what is said by each person. Don't lump me in with Ben. Don't lump Ben in with me. Yeah, because my opinions and takes are way better and more on point than Swain's. Hey, if you feel that way, I'm I'm totally cool with that, man. I'm, I I dig the confidence. All right, who's on the phone? Uh, we've got Courts involved. Courts involved. Good morning. Oh, what's up, y'all? What's up, Courts involved? It sounds like they're getting uh, getting your blood pressure up, getting in their feelings, huh? I just I just want to be quoted correctly. That's all. <laughs> Too much to ask anymore. Everybody's got twist words. I don't I don't get it. You you especially don't want to get get your opinions twisted with uh, Mr. McKee over there because. We know, we know his hot takes. <laughs> hot take, McKee. Name name oh. one hot take that I have had. Uh, don't worry, oh, I'll wait. I don't, I don't have I don't have that much airtime. <laughs> How convenient. <laughs> uh, I'm just joking with you. I, I I'm a Steelers fan too, so I took one on the chin this weekend myself. Uh, I just wanted to kind of make a couple quick comments. Uh, Go for it. I like uh, the. Uh, I, there's something that is bothering me. I know it's probably bothering you too, Swain. Is uh, is like when I was in when I was playing wide receiver, I wasn't a fast guy at all. I could barely run a four or five if you you know put a turbo jet engine on my back. <laughs> you weren't getting me to to break four or five, but I was physical and I knew how and I was technical. I knew what I was doing. I, I was running my route correctly. I knew exactly where to dig at the top of my morale and everything like that. And I just don't see a lot. It bothers me that I don't see a whole lot of physicality from our receivers, but I'm sure that's probably something that's being coached, that they're just meant to properly run the route and just get open. Because that's the way I I do see like a lot of the spacing with the way that we, the the offense likes to be spread out against the sidelines and it's meant to spread you out and stuff like that. But uh, that, that's kind of, worked my nerves a little bit but i've had i've had to tone it down a little bit and just calm down i'm with uh, you yeah my my, yeah i've 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 been irked watching watching us on offense at times and other times i've said oh man i I like that man i man i can see myself making some plays in that in that offense um so you know there there's a feeling of mixed emotions uh, watching us play so far on offense um I do like the opportunity to, you know, get your hands on a lot of balls, um, especially in the slot and uh, getting the ball on the outside quick, um, you know, getting your hands, you know, getting a lot of touches. You know, we saw Jimmy Callaway catching one, taking to the house. So I do like that, man. More plays mean more opportunities. So I do like that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I've bit my tongue several times. Absolutely. Uh, I want to give you give pass one more thing past you guys, and uh, and I'll hop off here. I, I'm I'm not one for like conspiracy theories and all that garbage. I'm more realistic. I'm, I'm very Boy. very much like you two. And uh, I, this is I thought this was funny. I was talking to a friend last night. Do you think some of our uh, I don't want to say maybe black cloud is kind of creeping its way over towards the southeast a little bit towards that other orange team to our southeast. They have like you know they got you got five star players transferring in the middle of the year. You've got defensive tackles suffering nondescript injuries. Just you just got it's just it's not, something fishy. So it looks a little looks a little similar over there 
<laughs> you, figured I'd pass along. Wait, you guys wait, get a good chuckle wait, out wait, of it. You talking about Clemson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that over the weekend. I was like, man, Clemson don't look – they don't look good. Like, they, they fell off. They booty terrible that first game. Yeah, they fell off. And then, I mean, against who they played last? Georgia Tech? Uh-huh. I mean – And barely beat them. Yeah, they didn't they – didn't, they, they haven't looked good this year. I mean, they didn't score a touchdown against Georgia, which, listen, Georgia's pretty, pretty good on defense. But still, when we look at the top five recruiting teams in the country – Clemson's one of those programs that recruits at a high level to not be able to score a touchdown. And you got a quarterback with a Dr. Pepper commercial? You can't score a touchdown? That's just weird to me. Poor so, Dr. Pepper. So Clemson, yeah, man, they fell off bad. Can't it, get right. I'm here for it. Yo, oh, yeah. Thanks for the phone call. Seth says, uh, this is the content I'm here for on the Swain event. Hot takes and message board material. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no. Mm. I, things are said like two, three times to the point where like it's like stop repeating yourself. But you have to, man, because people twist what you say. It's crazy. 865-255-03. We'll go to the text box. Got some good stuff here in the text box. We got for what also coming up. Uh, we'll hear from Melante Taylor. Uh, Austin Price will join us talking, uh, of course, Tennessee football recruiting uh, on the road this week in Gainesville. So what kind of players are Tennessee looking looking at down um, in Florida? We'll talk to Austin Price about all of that coming up in hour number three. Swain event. Be right back. For what is coming up on the Swain event. We're here with Dr. Michael Carlson of Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine to discuss PRP, platelet-rich plasma. If you have orthopedic injuries such as shoulder pain, knee pain, Achilles tendonitis, or tennis elbow, you should give them a call. Good to be back, Jason. We specialize in non-surgical orthopedics, so we treat damaged tendons, ligaments, and joints, including rotator cuff injuries, knee injuries, and elbow and foot problems by using ultrasound-guided injections with PRP. And this form of treatment helps stimulate the body's own reparative process and assist in the healing of damaged tissue. Doc, what makes your training different than others? I've been practicing in Knox Hill for over 26 years, and I'm certified in interventional regenerative orthopedic medicine through the American Academy of Orthopedic Medicine. They've been the leader in this form of treatment since 1983. I also teach this form of treatment on a national and international basis to other physicians, residents, and medical students. Here in our clinic, I'm the one doing the procedure, and we're using your own PRP, which are concentrated platelets, to treat your injury. So in other words, Jason, it comes from you and it goes back to you, so you know exactly what you're getting and know exactly the level of training involved. Do what the pros, college athletes, and I have done, and visit them online at trsportsmedicine.com. Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, East Tennessee's leader in PRP therapy. Out-of-town law firms have been swarming into East Tennessee lately. Firms from Memphis, Chattanooga, and Birmingham have stormed into the area. Wouldn't you rather do business with a local law firm? You know, a true neighbor. Marcos Garza and the pros at the Garza Law Firm are just that. 
They are our neighbors and friends that support local causes year-round. The Garza Law Firm works to serve you professionally on criminal matters, injuries and accident matters, and Social Security and disability filings. The Garza Law Firm is here for you at GarzaLaw.com. The Garza Law Firm, let us help. If you're coming to Knoxville and need a place to stay, do yourself a favor and book a room at Hampton Inn Paper Mill, also known as the Hampton on the Hill. This award-winning property is literally in the top 5% of all Hampton Inn properties. The GM, Stephen Lawrence, is a good old local boy who grew up in the business around Knoxville. He and his staff are always available, always willing to help, and will go above and beyond for their guests. The newest Hampton Inn in Knoxville has clean, affordable rooms, flat screens, fridges, and microwaves in every room. Plus, breakfast is included in every rate. Not to mention, there's also a pool and fitness center on site. If it wasn't so close to amazing restaurants, bars, and shopping, you would never want to leave. At only six miles from campus, you're still right in where the big orange action is. Go to HamptonInn.com, search Knoxville, and book your room at the Hampton Inn Paper Mill. Or call 865-693-5400. When you start your own business, you know that branding can make or break a new venture. That's why Swain Event relies on 42nd Street. 42nd Street is a strategy agency focused on finding creative, open-minded, results-driven solutions to brand design. After over a decade of operations in East Tennessee, the brand architects at 42nd Street have the experience and creative know-how to ensure the success of your business branding, logo, web presence, and more. To see a real-life example of their amazing work, you can check out our website at SwainEvent.com. Don't trust the branding of your business to just anyone. Check out my friends at 42nd Street online at 42ST.com or give them a call at 865 382 7007 42nd Street Brand Strategy Design There are articles and news stories that you read about the things that people do and when you're reading those and you start to shake your head you start to scratch your head a little bit you get confused you don't understand why you start to ask questions but really there's only one question that matters. What is that question you may ask? For what? Time to go to uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma for today's For What? Home of uh, Robert Meacham. I can't wait to send this to him later. Uh, according to Channel 4 News, there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Look at this mugshot, Ben. Kavion uh, Hooks was arrested for an armed robbery in which he took a prosthetic leg from the victim, police say. According to the Tulsa Police Department, the victim stated that Hooks came up to him uh, with a large metal spike, took the victim's backpack, and also took the victim's prosthetic leg. Hooks even asked the victim... Um, the worth of each item he was stealing. When Hooks was apprehended, they found him with the victim's leg strapped to his head. Police say they took the leg off Hooks' head and gave it back to the victim. You gotta be a monster to take someone's prostate leg. What are you gonna do with that leg, man? What are you gonna do with that leg? Are you gonna take it to the pawn shop? Are you going to use it yourself? 
You got to be a monster to do something like that. You got to be a straight up monster. What kind of person does something like that? Man? I just, like, what are you going to do with it? Like you said. Like, what are you going to do with somebody's prosthetic leg? Are you going to make a lamp out of it or something? Like, it just, it would irk me to have somebody else's leg inside of my house. This is weird, man. God, people are weird. All right, let's go to the text box uh, before we roll to hour number three and hit up uh, Austin Price. Who? Hit up Austin Price. <laughs> oh, yeah, good point, Wallstorm. Didn't you learn from your lesson with Stokes? You're going to get lumped in with Ben's bad takes. Good or bad takes, I'll be lumped in. So, yeah. I don't have bad takes. Isn't that right? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ken, I'm not upset. I'm just... I was just saying, like the caller asked to compare, like my group. He said, "Would, would any of these get, any of these guys play with my group?" That's what he. That's what he asked. And you said, "No, they all suck." I said, "No." I said, "I'm trying to be nice," but the answer is no. Simple as that. So he, the caller, asked about my group. So Ken, I'm not. I'm not upset. I'm not bothered. But, um. Wide receiver, you started with those guys, man. Carl Pickens. Um, I mean, think about Anthony Hancock. Um, just, just legends. Anthony Millers, Alvin Harper's, like for sure. And I call Joey Kent the goat, but Joey would never like accept that because he feels like Carl Pickens was the best ever, and is the best ever. So there's a long list of receivers that, that, that play here. And that era was, was special. It was, it was truly special because you didn't have rules put in place that help the passing game like you do now. You can't even hit guys now. So that's what makes receivers that play back in that era that much more special because they used to knock, knock half your head off. And there was no penalty. Um, let's see here. So yeah, no, no offense taken, Ken. I'm good. I just, I just want to, just wanted to make sure we was clear. The touchdown turnover was, um, player that is most important for this game. That's a non-quarterback is 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 on. I was on offense, and SC Vol says turnover. That is Juwan Mitchell. So he feels like Juwan Mitchell is very, very, very important um, outside the quarterback position. And you know, maybe my expectations are a little, a little, a little too high for Juwan Mitchell uh, because we just haven't seen him flash a lot. But Juwan Mitchell, along with Jeremy Banks, better be ready for uh, a double chin strap game to stop that run for sure. Espresso Vol says, I sure do miss having an elite passing game. Why has it been so hard to maintain a passing threat? Well, we have we haven't had consistent quarterback play. That's pretty simple. I miss having a good football team. Hey man, what did you expect this year? Six wins. Tennessee is Tennessee is two and one. 
Season ain't over yet. Yeah, Vanderbilt in South Alabama and South Carolina. Get the five. Can you knock off somebody else to get the six? Maybe this team can be the 2004 Vulcans where uh, got the back blowed out early in the season, but fought their way back and finished the season strong. That's, that's the hope, right? The record of? What, the this, this, the 14 season? Oh, you said 04. No, the 14 season where they got, you know, struggled a little bit early and then, you know, battled back and, and won six games and then won seven in the bowl. Uh, hour three coming up.